Ed Hodge, co-founder of My High, absolutely crazy successful uh, e-com brand, exited for multiple seven figures with, within in the space of a couple of years of launching. How do you feel now that that's all done and you, and you got your time back to, to be Ed? I don't feel like I've completed my life. I don't feel like I've made it. It's just ticked off a win, ready to go again. One of my core like visions and things I used to say to myself was freedom of time, freedom of mind, freedom of money. What was your mental health like at that time? Not good, to be really honest with you, not good. And I have to take like personal responsibility for that. I, I can't work by myself in a room. I need to be with people, at least for some of the day. Why do you feel like you have to do all these things? It's just who I am. I can't do the Monday to Friday job working for someone else and go to the pub on a Friday night. Because I, I tried it and I just realized uh, there's more. I, I prefer a more exciting, adventurous, risky life um, where I'm in control of my own destiny and like not just working to earn X amount per year. Just quickly before we get started, guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, can I please ask that you consider leaving a five-star review and subscribing on whatever platform you've been listening. It really helps the podcast grow. All right, we're back. Uh, third podcast of the week. We're smashing them out. This one I've been excited for for a while. I didn't know when we get you on. Obviously, your, your friends with Mel, I knew one day we'll get it on and I knew we share a lot of value. So it's going to be a fun podcast. I always like to, to chat and jam with people that have had like a similar journey to me. So for people that don't know, Ed Hodge, co-founder uh, of My High. Absolutely crazy successful uh, e-com brand, like exited uh, exited for multiple seven figures with, within in the space of a couple of years of launching. So we'll talk about that whole journey. Towards the end, I'll, I'll pick your brain on some of that things that business owners should be thinking about when they're starting to exit because I feel like for a lot of business owners, that's a really important thing. And until you've gone through that experience, people people don't get it. Like it's such, a, it's such an unknown thing. So we'll get there, but that's jumping way ahead. Um, first thing I want to say is congratulations on that. I know it's, I know it's a process to it's when mm. you're selling a business to get out. How do you feel now that that's all done and you, and you got your time back to, to be Ed? It's strange to be honest with you. It's one of those things where you dream of it for so long, <laughs> yep. you know, you, you work up to it. It happens. It's amazing. But then it's like you're back at ground zero, mm -hmm. you know? So it's not, I don't feel like I've completed my life. I don't feel like I've made it. It's just I've ticked off a win, which is good. But um, I'm ready to go again. Yeah, I, I, you know? I feel like there wouldn't be too much time in between needed to refresh and recharge. Yeah. I, I was chatting to Mel and she was um, like talking to me about like explaining some of the stuff you did. And, and she, she mentioned something that you said that, that you're a free agent now. Yeah. I was like that term being a free agent, honestly, I'm like, fuck it. A, a small part of me, I'm not going to lie, was jealous. Because as I, was, as I was just saying, like, I love everything I do. Mm. But I just do so fucking much. And I'm like, what would life be like if I had just like had nothing? I could do anything I wanted, a completely clean slate. It's like, I know I wouldn't be able to sit down not doing anything, anything for long. Where do you see like the future of, of business for Ed? And we'll, and we'll rewind. We'll go through your journey to get mm. here. But like as someone that's had some success, you've built relationships, you've got experience, there's so many opportunities and options that now, you know, come your way. You can mm. go into one of a million different directions. How have you been processing all that? And, and, and where's your mind like leaning towards for the future? Yeah. I, it's funny. A few years ago, I thought when I'd have like a, a big success like this and you, you are a free agent, <laughs> you would want to take time off. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought maybe I'd want to go live in the jungle and learn MMA for six months <laughs> or just, you know, meditate for six months and do nothing. Um, but I'm already like straight back into it. So already just having a ton of conversations with people about new ideas and really it's important 
I guess now I do have time. I can take my time in choosing the next thing I'm going to do. So that's really cool that I can take my time, make sure. I think it's super important to make sure you're doing the right thing. You know, I see so many people, especially in e-com, launch brands with products that probably aren't going to work um, because they've rushed into it, haven't done the necessary due diligence. So, yeah, having a lot of chats with people about different ideas, um, taking things slow but not too slow. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the future is more, more brands. It's, it's exciting because like, I'm the same, like I, I imagine I'd be the same if I was in that position. It's like, maybe you don't have to jump straight back into like work straight away, but it's like, you're not going to be able to ch- turn off all the ideas or no. the thinking about what's next, like what sort of business model, what sort of industry or niche do I want to be in now? I know something that you're personally like really interested in and, and, and educated on is the whole health and wellness space for you. What's more important for your next move? Is it more the industry or is it like black and white, it's got to be e-com or it's got, I want to build an agency. What's more important for you for the next step? Um, so the next step, I want to go bigger. So, you know, we were just above eight figures in revenue for our last brand sold in seven figure-ish range. And I want to do e-com again and I want to go bigger. So that's um, what I'm thinking. And I, that's my specialty is e-com growing e-com brands and we grew the last one pretty fast. So I want to do that again. And I mean, I wouldn't go into fashion, for example. Yeah. Like I'm not a big fashion guy. I don't know anything. And it's very difficult to grow a fashion brand, but I do know health and I do know wellness. So it's really a matter of just loving the product and be like, you know what? I've got a great idea here. I would love to talk about this all day. I would love to make content about this all day and just passionate about it, which for me, probably going to be health and wellness could be something else, but I think it's going to be wellness. Yeah. For, for that, you made, you made a good point. Like you want to, now that you're in, a, you're in the position that you have the time, mm. you have the resources behind you that you need no rush to jump in anything you don't want to do. What do you recommend though for someone starting their first business? Do you feel like it's really important for the first business someone launches in the e-com space to really love and be obsessed with that niche? Or do you feel like you can maybe have less waiting on that and more waiting on, Hey, it's your first, your first brand pick, pick a product that ticks the most boxes in terms of the criteria has the most upside, isn't oversaturated. You might not love it. Like, do I love laser hair removal? Do I love hair removal? Obviously not. Was I super still like passionate about learning and everything that I could give to my life? Yes. But now a few years down the line, that sorts of sorts to, Sort of, mm. sort of changes, right? What's your advice to people when they're starting about that? Do you think they should pick it like a, a full passion or? Yeah, I think it depends on the person. We all operate with different operating systems, different beliefs, different values. So some people would work super hard if they knew that the product they're selling is a good product and could really work because it does tick those criteria. Some people would, would um, work really well if they just knew they loved the product, you know? So I would think it just self-awareness, like if you're the kind of person that you feel like if you didn't really love the product, you would get bored in a year then don't do that. But if you're the kind of person that could stick through with a product that they're not, you know, hugely passionate about, but they know they can make it work, then do that too. Mm. So I don't have a one size fits all answer to that, but I think you really need to know yourself. Um, Like for me, I would get super bored if I tried to launch like an accounting business. Yeah. 
like my, my perspective has changed on that as well. Like yeah. you're, you're always going to change, but it's like just doing the fucking thing is the most important part at the start. Like yeah. what do you think's the main reason? Cause you're in e-com circles, like with people killing it. I'm sure you, you, you see a lot of people that, that, are, that are not, or are just starting or trying to figure it out. Why do you think so many people don't get past like the idea phase? I've got all these amazing products I want to launch or blah, 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 but they never actually do it. Human nature, man. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of humans are lazy. Yeah. Like it's the same. You could apply this business thing to getting fit. You know, everyone talks about I want to have a six pack and then there's like less than 1% of people have a six pack. So fortunately, a lot of humans are lazy. A lot of humans talk. and Not a lot of humans do. Um, and so it's the same applies with starting business. I mean, I'm sure you have, you could probably count on both hands, your mates that have said, I want to start an econ business Yeah, and they haven't, yeah. you know? So yeah. Like for me, I think there's two things that, that stop, that stop people. There's one, and this is the one that probably a lot of people aren't fully fucking consciously aware of yet. It's the fear of failure. If I try, if I, cause if I, I actually try and something is what I think and I fail, then I'm a failure. But if I don't even try, try mm. then, you know, they have that mental out in their head. And also the other thing that I feel like actually stops most people in terms of the process, it's like they might have that early inspiration, motivation to do it. They might have a good product idea. But as you know, in business, it's so much about problem solving and mm. figuring out things you don't know. And it's like some people can't handle that. They'll get to a problem that they're like, holy shit, I don't know how to fix this. It's easier just to resort back into comfort. Mm. Was there ever a moment for you where like, early in the, in the process that you, you ever had those thoughts or you were just like, once you realized it was entrepreneurship for you building brands, then you knew no matter what you were going to figure it out. Yeah. No matter what yeah. I was lucky enough. So when I decided I want to try running my business entrepreneurship, I went to work for an entrepreneur. He was like, I was directly under him learning everything from him. And he taught me a lot about the mindset kind of things. So I was fortunate. I mean, and my business partner were fortunate because we both worked for that guy. He taught us a lot about the mindset of problem solving. You're always solving problems. That's business. It's an emotional roller coaster. It's ups and downs and trials and tribulations. So I think I was prepared for it. So let, let's let's go back to what what got you into business and like when you had these realizations because you 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 did you went to Monash right? You did yep. a commerce degree. Talk to me about that experience. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, uh, when I was in year 12, I knew I wanted to get into business. Spoke to my dad and said, dad, I want to get into business. What should I do? And he goes, you should work for a company like PricewaterhouseCoopers. They're a good big company and you'll do really well. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I actually did go work for them. I got a traineeship where they like paid for my university. and I worked for them for two years. And that's like, if you're doing that whilst doing commerce at uni, everyone's like, Oh, you're the big dog. Like, <laughs> you got like two years yeah, working. PwC, for, one of the big four. Yeah, yeah. Two years working in the big four. Like, Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And so I'd already had this job lined up and I was first year of uni, you know, people were like, Oh, that's, that's pretty sick. And I was excited for it. thinking I've got everything set. And I remember my first week working there when I was 19 and going in thinking, this is the dream thinking this is as an e as a commerce student, this is exactly path I'm supposed to be on and thinking, Oh, like, what is this? This is not the dream. Like people there were depressed. It was all conversations about happy hump day and can't wait for the weekend. And like, just 
really not what I thought. And so then I was like, there must be more to life than this. Like this cannot be what life's cracked up to be. And um, just did my research and went down the, the traditional path that I guess a lot of entrepreneurs do where I found like Tim Ferriss's book <laughs> yeah. Four Hour Work Week and read a ton and then realized I need to get a mentor um, and learn about sales. So after uni, I so quit. did you graduate? I graduated. Wow. Barely. I, uh, I lasted three months. In uni. Yeah. I, I had the same realizations, but with law, I was doing yeah. a double degree of law and commerce. So excited. Cause you know, like you, you, you're making these decisions. I feel like off as like a high school mm. boy, like off ego, mm. Oh, I'm going to go work for, you know, PwC. I'm going to, that's going to be sick. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to work in the city. going to be arguing with people in court all day. You know, the, the classic fucking, you know, what you think as a kid is, is the real life. Got to uni and like, dude, I was so depressed. Yeah. I Insane. Yeah, man. I, I, did such a 180 that I spent the next five years of my life acting oh, really? because I'm like, I'm going to do fucking the opposite of this. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's a it's whole other strange, story. strange place university. But again, some people, some people like it, but anyway, so I was like, okay, I need to learn about sales because I just read something, you know, if you want to be good at business, you got to sell. And so I found this guy by chance who was running like a business consulting company, um, worked for him in sales and it was great because they were essentially like an education company for business. So I was selling business education whilst also learning about business education. Yeah. Um, and very, very quickly got to analyze a ton of different businesses across a ton of industries, learning sales, learning how to grow any type of business, working under a super smart guy, traveling around with him. Um, and I met my business partner there as well. We wanted to run our own business. And we learned so much from this company, but they didn't really do digital marketing a lot. They were helping a lot of traditional service-based businesses. So realized if I'm going to be an entrepreneur one day, the landscape now is digital. So I need to learn digital marketing. So then I went to work for a marketing agency and I did that for two years. Um, learned everything about Facebook ads, website building, Google ads, SEO, you name it. Uh, and then also analyzed a ton of businesses there, all the clients and prospects and things like that. Developed a criteria for what like a good product, good business would be. Was searching tons of different products, running so many products through this criteria. And uh, eventually we came across sauna blankets. and. We had the tools in our toolbox to, to launch a business. This ticked all the criteria and that was three years ago. It's funny. You, um, you ended up doing, and we'll, we'll get to the, the, the my high launch, um, yeah. in, in a bit, but you, you essentially did your own like business slash e-com like traineeship yeah. with all these, with all these jobs, which you laugh and, and it does take, like, it took you a few years to, yeah. to get all that experience, but it's like, everyone wants to be successful right now. Like I want to make a million dollars tomorrow, like, dude, you're 21 years old and have no experience. How the fuck are you going to do that? But it's like, cause I did, I did a couple of years in sales as well. Once I realized like, yeah, acting's really fun, but it's like, I'm not in control of my own destiny. So mm. like, I need to, I need to figure out a way to do that. I'm like, again, my mind is like, what's the coolest shit? Th like, what's the best way I can do? I'm not going back to uni to get a degree. I'm like, I'll get into sales. It obviously works with my skill set, and I'll work my way up there, be a sales manager for a big company. 
didn't take me long to realize I hated, I didn't, I didn't hate sales. I hated working for like a company mm. and being part of that corporate structure and having to listen to people who were fucking idiots uh, and follow like rules that didn't make sense. And for me, like I, my first one was similar in terms of, I was working for like a, like business and like marketing kind of like consulting place mm. as well to small businesses. But like essentially what our actual job was, that's what we told the clients. We're here to help you, you know, learn how to sell and market yourselves better. And there was an element of that. And like, that's what a lot of the calls were focused on. But really what our job was, was to help like the big media companies like Fairfax and News Corp sell unused ad space. Uh, so yeah. we're talking like radio and newspapers. And this was only like, 2016, 17, like I felt so fucking bad. Imagine you've got to have a genuine conversation with like a, mm. a small business saying, nah, man, like this small newspaper ad is what's going to. So I, I left that um, to, to, to in that when I started, you know, working on the business, but it's like this, the selling component, even though it, it can be a shit job and like mm. making like, I had to spend like three hours a day doing cold calls and I did a lot of cold calls too. Talk to me about like what's some of the biggest skills that or, or like what, what did, your time in sales give to you like for the rest of your career, you know? All right, guys, just quickly, I've got some news. I've spent close to the past 18 months building the ultimate program that takes you through the complete process. And I mean the complete process of launching and scaling your very own e-commerce brand from zero all the way up to a million dollars plus per year. And now with this program, what you're going to get access to is 15 modules with over 100 training videos and 23 hours of in-depth content, taking you through everything you need to know to build a successful e-com brand. And this is the important part. This isn't just stuff that you can look up on YouTube. This is stuff I've taken from real lessons and experiences building Happy Skin Co. from zero all the way up to an eight figure per year brand. You're gonna get access to loads of custom tools, templates and calculators that I've used to build and run Happy Skin Co. There's gonna be one-on-one -on -one mentoring with myself and other expert coaches. And there's also weekly group Q&A calls with myself to make sure you're feeling completely supported throughout the entire process. And now what I've learned from consulting to everyone from people starting their very first e-commerce brand all the way up to brands already doing seven figures plus per year is that there's a process and a framework to follow if you want to be successful with e-com. Now, if this is something you're interested in, hit the link below and go to join.viralbrandbuilder.com. All the information's there and you can book a call directly with me. Otherwise, send me a DM and we can chat there. Anyway, let's get back to the pod. Oh, massive. It was so helpful. So helpful. Uh, confidence, firstly. Like sales is, you know, speaking to some people that don't want to speak to you, that, and then turning them from not wanting to speak to you to liking you so much they give you money. You know, it's a very important skill. Um, frame control, persuasion, understanding psychology, um, because at the end of the day, marketing is sales. You know, marketing is format, just, right? is just yeah. persuading someone to take action with you but in a different format. So there's a ton of similarities between sales and marketing because they are very, very similar things. So yeah, I would say confidence and understanding of human psychology and the baseline for set for marketing and copywriting and things like that. Um, super important. And you're always selling as well. You know, like every conversation is like you're always selling. Something. Yeah. You're always selling something. And, and when we're running econ brands, you have to sell yeah. and you know, the ability to just hold the frame in a meeting or control structures of meetings and speaking with big people and important people when you're really confident at it and you can speak eloquently. Super important. Yeah. Like that, that's exactly. And that's a skill that you use, not just in your professional career, but in your, in your, in your day-to-day -day life as well. Yeah. So it's like, and another thing that I got from that 
and it's not like a reason people should do it for this reason, but like, you know, with no matter what you do in life, particularly ecom, there's going to be days of like stressful periods, like anything else, but it's like rem- thinking back to like the days where I had to spend three and a half hours, like that's tracked time on a mm. phone to people a day, calling people, oh, fuck off, rejected, whatever. It's like, no matter what I have to do now, like it's never going to be that like shit mm-hmm. and not shit as in like, I wish I didn't do it. I'm so grateful I did it because like I said, I got the skills and the experience from it, but it, it, it gives you perspective and it's like, it motivates me, not that I'd ever have to, you know, do that again, but it motivates me to continue pushing myself forward because like going back to like resetting back to that level, I never want to no. have to do that again. And it's like, I was like early to mid twenties doing that as well. And I was fine there, but like just same, same sort of, and I, and I'm, and I'm conscious. So I, I never want to be a corporate basher because like there are people who just podcast that work in jobs and they love it. If you love it, fucking sick. But it's like the people I was surrounding myself with in, in these companies, I'd say 85% plus as an absolute minimum didn't want to fucking be there. I agree. That's probably being generous. I catch up with some people that I used to work with and they still don't want to be there. Yeah. But Three some of them, the line some stuff, of them, right? on the other hand, love it and have incredible lives. And sometimes I'm kind of jealous because yeah. it's quite simple and there's not the emotional roller coaster of what, what we do. Um, but you just got to find your thing. Well, talk to me about that. Like, why do you feel like you have to do all these things? Um, it's just who I am. Like I can't do the Monday to Friday job working for someone else and go to the pub on a Friday night. I, Cause I tried it yeah, same. <laughs> and I just realized uh, there's more. Yeah. I, I prefer a more exciting, adventurous, risky life um, where I'm in control of my own destiny and like not just working to earn X amount per year. So yeah, people realize it as they go through life, they realize, you know what? I cannot do this. Um, and so I, I took the leap. Yeah. And there's like, there's like, like I was saying, like, there's the moments that sometimes you look at those, like that people that are working, whatever job in whatever industry that, you know, they, they genuinely like and enjoy and you think, fuck, I wish it could be that simple for me. Yeah. You know, I wish it could be that simple, but I just know there's no, there's no part of me that could ever, ever do that. So that's where it becomes so important to have like a level of like self-awareness and emotional intelligence and like realize what's genuinely going to make you happy. Mm. And if that is starting a business, awesome, but also starting business isn't for everyone. It's not the fucking answer. But like, if you're unhappy, like there's so many options that you can take now from the point that you've had those experiences, you realize, yeah, look, this isn't me long-term. I know you, you, you work for that first guy who ended up being like a mentor to you is doing some really cool things. Once it gets to the point where you've met your business partner, which was at that, that place, right? Yeah. What are the next steps to actually going, okay, we're learning a lot about business. We're exposed to people in business. So it's like rubbing off on us. I want to start a business. You want to start a business. Where do you go from there? Yeah. So we started, we tried to start like a video agency back in the day. We had no idea (laughs) about video, Um, but we had a good network from this business consulting company. Um, and so we took a couple of them on as clients doing video work for them. We lasted what four months before we're like, yeah, we're not too keen on, on video. Um, and we weren't that great at it either. We didn't really know what we were doing. This was before the marketing agency, by the way. So we actually started our own like video agency before I went to work for a marketing agency. And then we also had our own, little agency with a couple of clients. So started a marketing agency without knowing how to do digital marketing. That was fun. 
Um, and then I'm like, okay, I need to go back to school and upskill. And so that working at the marketing agency was my upskilling. And then I'd built the skills. Um, and then we launched my high. So it was a case of like, we jumped in a little early, although some people jump in and make it work. We jumped in, tried to run this agency thing. Wasn't, wasn't for us upskilled, went into e-com and, uh, worked one thing that like has always burned me because like now like as i was saying the first three years it's been a bit over five years for us now right yep. the first three years i was only doing happy skin like all day every day that's all sort of all i did so it was kind of like i probably started doing like podcasts and speaking at events a bit like in that in like this from the second year on actually a bit early but i was pretty insulated from the e-com world you mm. know because i was just doing my own thing like I had so much to do. I, I didn't really pay attention. And then like, as I like spend more time in like the e-com circles and shit, it's like something that always bothered me. The first time I saw it uh, was, was in that you know early period when I was just so you know, like in my own world with Happy Skin Co. And it's like people were teaching people to, okay, start an agency, like as an Aussie, go to another Aussie business. Hey, I'll do all your, I'll do all this stuff. Right. And then you outsource it to some kid in the Philippines or in India or wherever. And to me, I thought if fucking any, if I found out anyone did that to me, to my business, I would feel so disrespected and like so much breach of trust, but that's a whole fucking massive business model. Yeah. What's your thoughts on, on that <laughs> space? I don't personally love it because I've gone from brand side first, but I hate it. I hate it. I hate man. it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I had this, I met this guy in London um, who'd gone through a course uh, on how to run your own agency. and didn't have any background in marketing, anything like that. He's like, bro, I got my first client. Yeah. I'm like, okay, awesome. Congrats. He's like, and I'm like, how are you going to deliver it? And he's like, oh, don't worry. I just outsource it all. I'm like, okay. But like, what about the strategy? Like how, how do you know it's going to go right? Just like no thought to deliver the thing himself and just yeah. thinks he can grow a business without any skills in that business, just from outsourcing. And unfortunately a lot of the gurus have encouraged that. And it really grinds my gears. Yeah. And it's like, if, if you're going to, if you're going to do that, but genuinely learn the skill and, and do it all fine, like go, but you need to know, you need to have a, you need to be doing this stuff yourself. You need yeah. to have a grasp of that because I see so many people and like, the thing is, the fuck thing is no, they actually will make some money. Mm. They, they, yep. they will make money and they will potentially fuck up multiple, multiple people's businesses because they don't understand it. So it's just a world of like the arbitrage of like, you know, there's a, you can outsource everything. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are not that skilled, mm-hmm. but can sell to innocent business owners. That's the po- yeah, that's the problem. That don't know otherwise, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's bad. And the po- and the and to compound the problem, if the owner of the business doesn't know how how to market, then how do they even know if the person they're outsourcing it to actually has the skill to be able to yeah. deliver that? Because as someone who knows a lot about a lot of different things in my world, we've tried to outsource so many different things you know, like not crucial parts, mm. but like you outsource and even the simplest things and, and they don't get it right. I, I know. That's why I think it's so important as a business owner to have like 80, 80% knowledge in most yeah. areas. Yeah. And in e-com, the core areas of your business are marketing and product. So you need to be, that's the ones you should be closest to. When it comes to like uh, fulfillment and 3PLs, like you don't need to know the ins and outs of how to run a warehouse. Yeah. Um, Cause that's not the core driver of your business that marketing and product are. But um, yeah, it, it baffles me. 
on like before we get into the 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 my high kind yep. of stuff, I want to ask you a question. There's a another big sparkling water if you want to get that one. Do you want one in the fridge? Do you want, want to get that if you're thirsty? Just by the way. Um the cappy one. There's more of them. I'm all good. Oh, all good. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, cool. Just trying to look after the guests, Thank you know, you. Joe. Um, I feel like we're gonna be in in here for a long one. Um I want to know for you, because for me, it, it's something so within me that I can't deny it. The why freedom is, 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 is important to me, but to you, like, what do you feel like freedom means? And, and, and why does, why is it such a key motivator for, for everything you do in your life? Yeah. I love that. I actually, one of my core like visions and things I used to say to myself was freedom of time, freedom of mind and freedom of money, because I was just I used to read a lot of books back in the day going on this path of self-development and self-awareness. And you realize a lot of people don't have freedom of mind. Like they just can't think for themselves, don't have freedom of thought and seemed like a pretty paralyzing place to be to live your life. So I really wanted to focus on that and being able to think for myself. Um, and then freedom of time was, I also noticed people didn't have any freedom of time because they were all strapped to a job. And I, I got a lot of things I want to do in my life. You know, I want to do some crazy things. I want to go tango dance in Argentina for six months or live in the jungle and learn how to fight for six months. And that requires freedom of time. Um, but also you need freedom of money. And so I realized in order to do those two things, I need money too. So freedom's just like one of those core principles where if you unplug yourself from jobs and everyday life and think about what do you want to do? What cool adventures do you want to do? It all comes back to you need freedom to be able to do that. And then that's kind of how business started too. Yeah. I, I'm the same. Like I just want to collect as many cool experiences yeah. as I can. You know what I mean? I want to do the thing of my life is like, I want to do as many things in my life as possible that not many people get to do. Mm. You know what I mean? Like for some reason, it's just like, Cause when, 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 when things first started to change for me and when I first realized, cause I, I grew up in the suburbs of like Southwest Sydney, it's like very, you know, lower middle class, like, you know, parents work jobs, have mortgage, like go to public school, that sort of stuff. So I never really realized that your dreams can come true and you can fucking build something for yourself. If you're just some mm. kid, like I honestly never thought of that as a possibility, which is it, which scares me to be, feel like if that's me, with the way I think, what about all these other poor kids growing up there? They just, that's why I go back to my old high school and I speak once or twice a year because like these kids don't realize, no, it can happen to anyone, but, but that's the programming we get. Like, you know, you, you, you go to school, then you either drop out, you get a trade or you go to uni, you get a job, get a mortgage as soon as you can. And you work for 30 years, yeah. barely, you know, barely making ends meet so you can afford to pay the mortgage. And it's like, kids don't realize that like you can genuinely make your dreams come true. And, and when I first did that, and then as I started ticking off bigger goals and bigger goals, I realized there's no limit to this. There's, there's, there's no limit. Mm -hmm. You can, and, and it doesn't have to be about money. It can be about like you think tango dancing in Argentina or yeah. whatever. Like I want to <laughs> do like the, I just want to do cool shit. Like yeah. I, I want to do like a, a, an Antarctica, you know, expedition yeah. thing. I want to do like the Everest base camp trek. I want to do Me the Coda trail, like Me all too. these <laughs> random things yeah. that like you can't, Obviously now, like I'm a little bit of a hypocrite because I work so much, but like I do enjoy what I'm doing and I'm working for a purpose. But like, really, I know there's all these things that I can't wait to fucking do. Now, someone that's made a bit of money kind of changes your framing of, of how, you, how you think. But try answer this honestly, whatever, whatever is the tr you truly feel like is, is 
real for you because people do differ. Now for like the rest of your life or your next business, what's more important to you genuinely, how much money you can make from that venture or how much you enjoy what you do every day when you wake up? Uh, how much I enjoy what I do. I say that because there were times during my high that I was not happy as well. And despite you know, the success that we had, those were like really miserable days. And I do not want to be going through that ever again. Um, yeah, like, so that experience was good because I know that happiness is the most important thing. And that doesn't come from just money. It comes from a lot of other things that we can go into. So, yeah, yeah if, you're, if you can make 50 mil and be super happy every day along the way, then that's perfect. Yeah. But you've got to put the happiness first. Because otherwise you won't get the 50, well, some people might, but I, if I was unhappy, I wouldn't even get the 50 mil. No. Because my productivity would just decline. I wouldn't get anything done. And, and, and also what you realize, like when, when you've actually, you know, put some runs on the board and you've done some things is like, I now I truly believe like, I know there's things I could do that I could make a lot of money a lot quicker, but it's like, I truly believe so much in myself and my vision, what I'm going to do. If I really can do what I love, mm. then I'll, it'll eventually, it'll make me all the money anyway. You know what I mean? It just, there might be a lag at the beginning and that's why I do advocate for people. Like some people will just want to find for that perfect product that I love so much, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff is great. But like the first step is just buying that bit of freedom mm. you know, that time, freedom, that money, freedom. So then you can have the ability to, to go and do that. Now you mentioned they're not the only, like obviously money makes, I don't, people that say money doesn't make you happy. I think is, is stupid because it's a yeah. big contributor to it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's a big contributor to it. It's not the only thing. And, and there's heaps of billionaires that are, so unhappy and so depressed, but it, it, it takes a lot of that stress off you for then you to be able to decide what do I really want to spend my time doing. If you're not happy, you have the ability and the freedom, the time, the space to do the work, to figure that out. But what are some of those other things that you feel like is crucial to your life to, to, you know, be happy sustainably long-term people. Like I couldn't live by myself, you know, without friends for the rest of my life. I think people, I heard on a, another podcast recently, you know, someone said um, you could be in the worst city in the world, but as long as you had your five closest friends with you, you would be having a sick time, you know? It's and pretty, so, pretty cool, yeah. Like as long as you have people that are your people and you're doing, you know, you, obviously because they're your people, you'd have shared experiences and shared values that you want to do. So that's the key for me. It's people and people creates the environment. And then being healthy, because that's another value. Well, health is health is another massive one, right? Yeah. Like I've um got a lot healthier in the past, even just like six months, and I already feel Do you feel it when you oh make man. I know some of the changes like that, that you would have been making. Do you do you genuinely feel it? Like, yeah. I fucking need to commit to more. I, I've done, I've changed a lot. Like yeah. I, I live I already lived a healthy lifestyle, but like the more like you you realize that like things aren't set up to help keep people healthy. No. You know, not at all. Nah. Like, Not at all. So that's a big focus. And I've got, I've gotten sick a couple of times in the last like year. Mm. And prior to like, you know, a few years ago, I was getting sick once every two, three years. Yeah. Now, like, you know, things change and I've realized like, fuck, no, I have to really prioritize health because things aren't set up to, you know, necessarily make people healthy. If you don't, if you don't consciously think about what you're doing, what you're putting in your body. Um, and it's, and it's fucked because like as someone who has so much energy, so much ambition, 
And just because I'm sick doesn't mean I don't have like still don't have the same amount of things to do, but to be sick to the point where you're, you literally can't work. Like to be, there's no point trying to work because mm. you're not going to get it done properly and you're just going to torture yourself. Like it's a really humbling experience to be put out to the point where like you got to take a whole week off work and then you realize like yeah. health is, health is number one. It's the, it's the first pillar that everything else gets built upon. What are like some changes that you feel like people, and it doesn't have to be as extreme as, as some of like the, the really, you know, detailed nuanced things, but what are some of the changes that, that you implement into your life that has helped you feel better, have more energy, more clarity, that sort of stuff? It was really just cutting out the crap. So I always ate fairly healthily, but um, you realize like things like anything processed, anything with gluten in it for me um, was, and any excess carbs just like slowed me down like massively. Like if I used to have say carbs at lunch, um, I'd have a slow afternoon yeah. and you know, everyone talks, especially in the corporate world about that afternoon, yeah, the three, 3 PM slump. Got to have my coffee at 3 PM, et cetera. But I, so I cut out any, like any sugar, no sugar at all. If I have a sweet tooth, I have like fruit and it tastes incredible, mm. you know, um, nothing processed, no gluten and like no carbs until the evening apart from like fruit. And so, yeah, I feel, are you a caffeine drinker or, um, I love coffee so much, but I just have like one yeah. single espresso in the morning. Yeah. And that's it. Um, like are you, when I, it's funny, I think when you're going through that, that diet, that's not particularly healthy, you yeah. need more coffee. Mm-hmm. You have like coffee in the morning, coffee in the, at lunch, whatever. But now I just don't need it because I, I don't have the afternoon slump at all. Yeah. I just like have energy the whole day. That's crazy, great. man. Like energy is such an important thing for business. Yeah. And like, I want to go back to what you were just saying. What, what people might not know is like all this craziness, all the amazing like growth that you guys had with my eye was during like the pandemic or the lockdowns, you were working alone for like many months at a time by yourself, not being able to, you know, see people connect with people, all that, all that stupid shit. But what was your mental health like at that time? Not good. Yeah. To be really honest with you, not good. Um, and I have to take like personal responsibility for that. Because I, so I moved in by myself for the first time. Was that before the lockdown at the start happened or at the corona. start? Okay. Yeah. Start of Corona. I decided to live by myself and again, being self-aware, like with the compounding effect of the lockdowns, I realized just that was not for me. Like yeah. I, I can't work by myself in a room. I need to be with people at least for some of the day. Um, and yeah, it really, really got to me. It just wasn't for me. Um, How did you finally get out of that funk? Uh, I moved to America. <laughs> oh, you, you just had to leave. Yeah, I left, I left you Melbourne. Out, you escaped. Yeah, I had to write to the government to leave the country. Oh. And um, I left, but it was, it was really tricky. Um, and I just learned a lot about myself through that. So I won't, won't live by myself yeah. again. Well, yeah, I... I <laughs> Yeah, we, yeah, don't worry about that. (laughs) I'll tell you later. Um, But we were talking before, we were talking before we we started recording about like this dream of yours, this idea. And I think it's really interesting. And I think it it hasn't really been too much discussed in Australia as much because we we approach things kind of differently here. But you've obviously identified that you work better, you know, when you're working with other people, when you're Mm. surrounded by other people going after it. And everyone knows, they've all heard the, the, 
cliche saying that is so true that you're the product of the five closest people around you. Yeah. Talk to me about like the, how different the experience is for you when you're set up in a, in a house working with, with someone who's also going after it or working with a group of people going after it. And like the idea that you had, and I'm sure many people have had it, but like, to like do like the hype house style with all the TikTok creators, get some ball and play somewhere, yeah. get a bunch of business owners. And could you imagine how much you'd be pushing each other forward, how excited you would be to going after you can leverage each other's experience. You can bounce knowledge, all that sort of stuff. Compare the two models for you and why you think one's so much better. It's, oh, it's incredible. I think as men, we are naturally competitive and it is so powerful having like that healthy competition and support of another guy with you. Um, it's like Tate, for example, spoke about it with his brother. Like if he does 500 pushups, I'm going to do 501. You know? and so <laughs> yeah, I yeah. have, I have it, um, with my housemate at the moment, like, you know, we go to CrossFit at 7am and sometimes we used to go 6am. Sometimes if I was living by myself, I would sleep in, Yeah. but we are smack. If one of us up before the other, we all smack on the door and make sure the other person gets up and abuse the hell out of them if they don't. Um, we're always trying to beat each other at CrossFit um, in the mornings. And when we get home, we're in a state of euphoria because we just completed a really tough workout. We both work from home, have a little shared office, and just the energy is electric as opposed to if you're by yourself, maybe it was during Corona, you sleep in that day, that's immediately you're behind the eight ball, and then you have to like hype yourself up. Like obviously, you know, we're self-motivated people. We get a lot of stuff done, but I do, th- I do believe in just setting up your environment to be as exciting as possible. And even just the chats that I have with other like-minded people, you know, when you chat to someone and you just leave that conversation, you're just like, hell yeah, I'm pumped and excited. Um, it's infectious. And so, yeah, I would like to have one of those houses one day. <laughs> um, but you know, everyone's got a lot of things going on in life and yeah. it is tricky to line up, but there's been a big difference between what I have now and what I used to have. Um, it's, it's really good. If you're just, if you're having an off day, which we all do, if you have someone there to push you through it. Because human nature is to revert back into comfort. Yeah. Do you feel like we all do? So it's not like an admission, but you feel like you do, you do that more when there's no one there. Yeah. Like you, exactly. you, you let yourself down before you let other people down or yeah. like, like you said, the competitive nature, like you, you don't want to be left behind. Exactly. So for example, me and my business partner with my high, when we were first doing my high, we like lived in his mum's house. I was on like a blow up mattress and it was like proper startup. Stuff. I love that. But shit, we, um, we did some seriously cool things. Like we watched David Goggins on YouTube <laughs> and then registered for a marathon three weeks later. Oh, <laughs> right, never cool. done, never ran more than 15 Ks in my life. Didn't train for the marathon and we both did the marathon together. Did you finish it? Finished it. How were your legs? I had foot injuries for a year. (laughs) I ruined both my tendons. I was in crutches for a week. Oh, dude. (laughs) Um, But I do not regret it at all. Yeah. And it was just like those moments for like the blokes, it's just so important. You're lucky you finished. There was this guy who um, I must have on some social and like, He's big into all that like stuff, and he's like, "Oh, you know, like all you, all you guys are like pussies and shit. Like, watch, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go run a marathon without training. All this stuff, mm. like hyping it up, like you know, it's it's so easy." And then I remember seeing like the post, like wait till later. Yeah, so I blew out my knee, couldn't finish. I'm like, "Well, dude, do you know how hard it is to run a marathon, even if you train?" Yeah, so it's like 
yeah, what were, what were the injuries that you had? Like, dude, that's, and I ran a half last year and like, I could, I couldn't, I couldn't put my shoes on for like a week. Yeah. I couldn't walk afterwards. Um, and then got like plantar fasciitis, um, pulled tendons, couldn't run legit for a year afterwards. Um, it was bad, but worth it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think I I like in, in life and that's where I've got to like weigh up priorities. Like, I like in life to always have like once a year, like a big physical mm, challenge too. because I think that's awesome. But for me, why, why sometimes I've been pulling back on that a little bit is because like for me, I've never, I've always been a really physical person. So I've never, and I've never struggled to go do physical things. I've always been playing sport or doing gym or, or martial arts. Like that's never, I've never struggled to do that. I want to realize like sometimes like I was, you know, for example, for, I was training for the half marathon cause I wanted to run it quite quick. I'm doing that, but like a, a lot of other things suffer to do that. Mm. And like maybe I didn't get to, get to work as much as I wanted to, but like there's periods of life where I feel like stepping out of your comfort zone and challenging yourself in something you've never done before can actually make the work that you do later on in the day better. hundred percent. So yeah, it's interesting. Now I want to go back a little bit to the my high um, journey, mm-hmm. something specifically. And I know this would have changed now and I'll ask you about kind of what you, what, how that's changed, but what were some of the things you were looking at on your criteria um, for for the product that would end up being like the, the sauna blankets that were my high? What did you identify as, you know, some non-negotiables? Yeah. So we wanted to have a product that we could easily go viral with. So we knew that we could, you know, use Facebook ads and it would blow up on Facebook and also go viral on PR. So that was number one. Um, number two was really strong unit economics. So gross margins. What can you buy it for? What can you sell it for? Because it, in e-com, if you have, you know, 60% gross margins, is going to make it tough. Like we wanted 80, mm-hmm. 80 and above. Um, and then we wanted something that was uh, in a really fast growing trend. So wellness was going crazy at that point and it's still going crazy. And we knew that saunas were about to blow up. I just had a really strong pulse on the wellness market. Um, so that was another criteria. And then has to be early on in that trend. So like, you know, teeth whitening is huge and growing, but it's mature and you wouldn't want to start a teeth whitening business now. Um, we could, but it'd be really hard. Yeah. And then, so the other one, the final one was hardly any competition. We didn't want any big established players that we would have to compete against. And so, yeah, everything ticked off now. Nowadays, where we have more experience, I would add um, like customer lifetime value into that. So like product extensions or a subscription product um, because that's where you really unlock some profit. Um, I don't really mind competitors anymore because I think I can beat them. Um, but I still think, the, yeah, unit economics, ability to sell on Facebook. I mean, you can sell most things on Facebook, but some products are a lot easier than others. Yeah. And uh, got to be growing trend. I feel like as well with like our products, obviously yours are probably double, if not triple, like IP, the, the IPLs. But I feel like if you have a product with a decent AOV, say 250 plus, 300 plus, like it's easier to start because there's more profit from the first sale, but it's like, you really want to be introducing products that can, you know, bring back the customers because it's difficult for us. We have like a, you know, a few percent returning customer rate because yeah, sometimes people upgrade or buy them for their friends. But realistically, once a person buys, you know, a sauna or like mm. a, removal handset that has like 10 years worth of use. They don't really have to come back 
how do you fuse the two? Are you looking for opportunities to be able to fuse the two or, cause I feel like if you can, again, I don't start businesses now based off what I think can be a really good business, which is maybe some people would, I go off what I want to spend my time doing. Mm. Cause like I said, I feel like I can reverse engineer all that and fig- figure it out and I can beat the competition now. But it's like, if you could, in, if you could find a product that had a good, a good AOV off the first, off the first purchase, but you were going to get people coming back at a higher return rate, maybe for, you know, some um, consumables that are related to that product. I feel like that's gold. When you're looking at launching a new product, I know there's lots of things on your list, yep. but what would you prioritize a good, healthy, you know, margin on the first sale or repeat customers and LTV? Um, if I had to say just with no other context apart from that, I'd probably say the LTV. Mm. Yeah. It's harder. And like, I've, I know amazing entrepreneurs that it, it can take many, many months to start making profit. But once you get past that point, yeah, you're sweet. It's, and it, it shows that you have a super good product and you're making a difference and yeah. you're solving a problem. If people are coming back for more. Um, and yeah, as you said, over a longer term, it's definitely it's, it's a longer a term. Like, I, I think for a complete beginner, I would probably say go for the higher, higher, value product at the start. Yeah. You, I, just, I agree. It's, it is easier. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like sometimes you need to weather not making profit and, and, and even going a little bit backwards on, on some sales for, for a few months. But once, like if you have the, the obviously the key here is having a good product that people yeah. do want to come back and, and, and purchase again, getting through that period at the start can be tricky. Now back to my high, I know you guys, once you launched, you had a daily mail article go pretty viral in, in, in the first in the first week of your launch, you did like 70K off the back of that one article. From that, which is an amazing, you know, cash injection into the business, yeah. how do you then reinvest that and be like really maximize this, you know, newfound capital that you had? Yeah. So that was, that was wild. I remember we, we did a soft launch in April uh, with some influencers and Daily Mail contacted us saying, hey, can we do an article on you? So That's I'm like- cool. Fuck yeah. yeah for sure. Like, yeah. And, but I knew they were going to be in the UK as well. And so we had to set up in the UK quickly within a month for when the article went live in, in May. So we put ourselves into pre-order in the UK, did that 70, I think we did like hundred K in the week. Um, and that was on pre-orders in the UK and Australia. So frantically kind of speaking to customers, just reassuring them about the orders and things like that and making sure everything was fine with the three PLs. And then it was just like, all right, we've got a credit card. We've got this money in the bank, although PayPal held most of it. Um, Fucking PayPal. I took PayPal off the last thing we started doing because if, yeah. if. Don't get me started. Bro, I'm, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not putting PayPal on any of my business anymore. Like, yeah. unless I absolutely have to if people start asking, but they are a joke of a business. Cancel. Cancel, Cancel PayPal. PayPal, honestly. Bro, you remember that bullshit? And their fees, if you ever have to do a conversion, they split. Oh my God. Anyway, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so we just put like three grand a day into Facebook ads. And um, <laughs> that's so good to be able to do early on, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, had, we got an Amex. I don't, can't remember how much this limit started at, but they gave you pretty high limits. And um, immediately ad spend was always on the Amex, collecting those those frequent flyer points. flying pretty often, hey? Oh Isn't yeah, that was, oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, we just, it worked, you know, we, we did a million bucks in the first like four months, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. For four. Um, again, so similar to Abyssin. I think we were very similar. Like yeah. Three and a half months. And just Facebook ads worked. We did have, you know, a little bit of a plateau after that in terms of like, 
you kind of always want, okay, how quickly can we scale this? Mm -hmm. And then you start having to learn about cash flow management, inventory management, you know, more advanced Facebook tactics, being getting better at creatives and all that stuff. So that did take a while, but um, it was a good start. What point? Cause you were still like, you had some like small other like businesses and things you're doing. What part, at what point in this did like you fully stop everything else and just work on this? I had some consulting clients that I was working with that were pretty much paying myself and my business partner. So you then you didn't have to pay yourselves, right? Yeah. So I, I brought in these clients and that gave us enough money to live off. And I think after four months, when we did the, the first million dollars, mm. like, okay, yeah. it's time to say goodbye. And that was so cool. How cool is that? Like yeah. what, what moment do you still like, I don't know, what's, what's the moment, the biggest milestone that honestly made like created the most happiness in your life? I will say probably two of them from the early days. So one was the daily mail day. Um, I remember I was driving to my mum's house and my mum at this point was still very scared that I was starting my own business. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you know, be careful. Yeah. I hope you've got a job to go back to. And um, I was staying at my dad's house in the morning and we had a, I still had, that was back when you still have the Shopify sale notification sound the on. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Yep. And I woke up to a couple of cha-chings and I texted Wyatt. I was like, bro, like something's happening today. Like what, why are we getting so <laughs> And then I got in the car, drove down to my mum's and cha-ching, 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 like it was going mental. And then I realized the Daily Mail article had come out and I got to my mum's house. It was like 11, 11 a.m. in the morning in Australia. And phone went mental and it was just cool. Like my mom was super proud. I was super like excited and nervous and like, holy shit, like yeah. this is actually working. And then mum was freaking out. Mum's partner was freaking out and we had a little, you know, champagne still like haven't proven myself yet. Like, yeah. It's just like the first week of my online business. Um, and then it kind of quietened down and then at like 9 PM, cha-ching started again. And that was the UK. Uh, they, they so, you know, we'd, we'd done like what, 30, 40 grand or something. And then we suddenly did 70 grand in a day mm. in our first ever week of an econ brand. And that was pretty cool. What? Like it's, 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 I still think the first few months are like the most fun you'll ever have in business. Yeah. It's like, it's like, man, I remember I was working, I was still working one of those sales jobs. Um, in the, in the, well, I had, I actually had to quit after like two weeks because we were so busy already, but then I had to do my four weeks. So I was still there mm. working for like at least a month when I had the business, maybe a little bit longer. And I'd come in and like, I'd be showing like my, like my, my, my mate I was working with, I'm still really close with. Be like, bro, not to brag because yeah. like, we're just these, like, we're like, yeah. mates. You like, celebrate with I know. I'm like, yeah. dude, look at this. Like we just did like six grand sales and we're already like four grand today. And then we'll be like 10 grand and mm. we're like freaking out. You know what I mean? But it's like, you don't know, like you, you have a lot of belief and faith, but like, because it's so brand new and like, you haven't really proved anything yet. Yeah. Like you've got that slight fear that it can, it can be ripped away at any time. Definitely. Do you remember having those thoughts? Like, yeah, because we spent uh, a solid five months building this thing. And like, you know, I built the experience of building websites, but still was pretty, pretty crap at building websites. It took <laughs> us like, we had a bad developer and it just took a long time to get the website ready. And, you know, you're spending you know, in like two beds in a bedroom, two desks, cramped space for like a few months building this thing without any knowledge of if it's going to work. So it was weird kind of taking this baby from 
working on it for a few months and then taking it out there into the world. Mm. It's strange. And we, we got our first sale from like a, a non-friend because we launched on Google pretty quickly and we just like got this random person off Google ads, lived in Wollongong. and Crack a bottle of champagne. We just, we got a load of like notes and just like threw them. <laughs> but it was like, yeah, $500 sale and from a stranger on Google ads. And it was like, all right, we're off. Fuck, dude, I still, yeah. because of like the, um, because I do all the mentoring and consulting, like I went back recently and looked at like some of the key moments from my journey, just so mm. I could, you know, put some information around it. And like, dude, the watching the videos of us cracking champagne, yeah. we're high-fiving, honestly, you're like, we were making probably like a grand a week and then we're making like, so the third day we launched, we had our first influencer post. And this is the story I've told before. We'd, we'd had one sale 11 p.m. the first night from a Facebook ad. Mm. So just getting in bed. George calls me. He's like, bro, we just got our first sale. I jumped out of bed, drove over, cracked a bottle of champagne. Hey, yeah. Fucking sweet. Hung out for a couple of hours. And then third day, we didn't have any sales on the second day. The third day, um, we had our first influencer post. We made five and a half grand between 7.30 and midnight. Mm. And like another like few grand the next day. Bro, that was like, we put 10 grand each into the business. That was almost all our savings. By the end of the first week, we had like doubled that. Yeah. And we're just like, what is happening? And like, what is life right now? And it's like, those are the fucking moments that all the grind and, and, mm. and, you know, fucking around with websites and developers and many rounds of sampling and getting things right is worth it. Because like, if you don't keep going, you're never going to experience those moments. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's special. I mean, it's, it's valuable because it's so difficult. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Like the euphoria from those moments can only be created because of all of the work that's gone into it beforehand. You don't get euphoria from like something that you've worked for half an hour for. No, no, you no, get no, exactly. euphoria from something that you've worked for months on end for. And that's how you experience those like really, truly incredible lifetime moments. Do you think you'll ever, because obviously we've, we've done well, but like in the grand scheme of things, there's businesses 10 times, yeah. thousand times bigger than yeah. ours, right? Still that being said, and the sky's the limit for things that we could do. Do you think anything will ever be, will ever affect you as much as that first time or will it be as fun as that first time? I don't know, really. I, I'd like to think it will keep getting better, but I'm not sure. We'll see. I mean, I, yeah, like you said, it's weird. Once you make like a million bucks, you realize. Cause like it doesn't <laughs> affect me anymore. It doesn't affect me anymore. Yeah. That stuff. Yeah. Do you know? I think there's when you get like true freedom perhaps or you just have to reevaluate. For me, it's, I feel like it's now like when we have like certain guests on the podcast, yeah. like those, are the, yeah. those are the things that we're like, fuck. Because now I'm trying to create experiences, remember? Mm. So it's not, not about like, unless I do like some like, you know, multiple eight figure, nine figure exit. Like obviously that's changing my life again to a level that I'm, that I'm not experiencing now. So it's like, Whenever you can take a big step up or a big fucking change, like it's like the adrenaline you experience, I feel like it's a drug that like why we keep coming back every day. I feel like what you said, the experiences are the things that will give me the euphoria mm. in the future. Like, so, you know, like you talked about Everest, like doing an Everest trip or completing like a huge hike in Nepal or something, or even like doing some charity work in Nepal, yeah. or like building a school or something. That would be the next like euphoric high because first euphoric high was like, okay, we, we, I need to get into business in order to do all these later things later on in life. Mm. And then when you like finally realize you can have a win in business, you get that euphoria. But yeah. Well, 
why don't we like is why like we could do it right now why don't we do what fuck why why build another business why don't you go do all that shit I'll go do you know, Everest. Yeah, yeah, Everest, Machu Picchu, whatever. Like, yeah, because I want to do one more. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, you say one more now, it better not be one more again. Yeah, you know I know, I, mean? I know. Um, I have certain financial targets I want to hit. Yeah, um, like, exactly. Yeah, like, before, like, you know, people, you have to, you have to balance all this stuff, right? Like, and we're pretty similar. You want to do a lot of life experience things too but you suddenly found yourself tied in with all these things. Right. So, yeah, but I, I have like some financial things I want to hit in order to live the life I want to live, you know, with like a family and things like that and mm -hmm. be able to live around the world. And so I want to stay aligned on that path. And then once I'm truly getting there, you know, with e-com next time around, I can manage it better so that I can potentially take some time off. Mm -hmm. Um, because I know how to delegate, know how to build a team or just grow it again, sell it. You mentioned like the, the type of like boys you want to surround yourself with, yeah. you know, to get that, you know, healthy competition. You just mentioned family and I know it can be difficult as someone who's so driven, has such high standards in every aspect of life. What is it that you're looking for in, in, in a potential partner one day? Oh, that is such a long conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um in summary, it would be a woman that is very much in touch with her femininity, femininity, um, is extremely excited to be a mother and raise a family. Um, someone that I can joke about and she can be one of the boys almost in terms of her humor. Um, definitely detached from the modern toxicity in the world. Um, and yeah, intelligence values health and just a best friend at the end of the day as well. There's, you could talk about it for hours. You could write this list of all these things, but I think you blend all that criteria into intuition and then you let intuition take over. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like your intuition is formed through logical thought anyway, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, so yeah. With, with all that as well, like on, you know, detached from all that modern, whatever's going on. I'm such a big believer genuinely to my core. Any, everyone should be able to do whatever the fuck they want. Mm. You should be able to feel how you feel, do whatever you want, be with whoever you want. Right. It's like the, the, the part that like, I feel like goes missing sometimes is like, it's not actually, is it an original thought mm. of yours? Is that something you really want or was that like drilled into you over the years and you didn't even realize? Yeah. That's, that's the difference, right? Still, I'm fucking be whoever you want. But mm. is that really what you want or were you fucking influenced? Mm. You know? It's tricky because we're all influenced. Oh, for sure. In like, everything. And in ways we don't even know. Yeah. It's life can turn out so many different paths simply because of who influenced you. And not even like societal things because that's a whole other thing, but like childhood experiences, yeah. childhood trauma, yeah. that sort of stuff. We're shaped in ways that we still don't understand. It's really crazy. So I'm kind of excited for that chapter because, yeah, if you can understand that your environment and the people around you influence you, then imagine the impact we can have on our children, mm. you know? Yeah, that's exciting. And um, be able to guide their life and shape their life in a way that is good for them and gives them the best opportunity of being a, a good person. Yeah. You know? It's pretty cool. That, like, yeah, it's, it's just it's – just, goes down, I think, to like, there's no point putting a list of a hundred things down. It comes down to like 
you just got you you'll feel it hopefully right and and yeah and, but I feel like you need to think deeply about these things in order to develop good intuition mm. and thinking deeply about things is writing things down so that's my take on the whole yeah intuition um but when you know you know another thing I wanted to get your take on because you've spoken about and and I'm similar like in terms of like, I need to create situations, environments that I feel my best that will allow me to get the best out of myself because I know that's going to, you know, equal peak performance. But sometimes I'll speak about motivation and some people want to brush it aside, be like, you don't need motivation. You just got to be disciplined. Mm. Like, sure. I understand the value in discipline, but like, why wouldn't I fucking want to do it? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Where do you sit on like the motivation discipline? What do you like to lean more into? Um, a really healthy mix because at the end of the day, like, if someone says all oh, you need is discipline, well, it's like, well, surely like, do you want to be doing this? Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, are you not doing this because you want to do it and you were originally motivated to do it? So I think people get, well, it's like people get motivated to do something really impressive and something difficult that has inherent value. But then when you actually get on the path to do that, that's when you realize that the actual day-to-day activities of achieving that can be quite boring, can be difficult. And that's when the discipline is required. So your motivation for the overarching goal and discipline to do the daily activities that get it done. Yeah. Like, like for me, everyone needs a healthy balance of both. Right. But it's like motivate motivation, but discipline. like, do I, I'm going to, if I, if I want, if I want to be who I say I want to be and and be who Mm. I'm meant to become, like, I'm going to do it anyway. Like, do I, do I want to want to do it and do it or do I want to not want to do it, but just do it anyway. So it's like when you're, when you're not feeling disciplined that day, check back in with your motivation. That's what I do a lot. To why you want to do this so in the first place. So connected about exactly and then, the why. And then, so it's like not feeling disciplined. Okay, get motivated. Okay, I'm motivated. Mm-hmm. Now I'm disciplined. Yeah. So like as long as you can continually connect back in with yeah. why you're doing it and things like your environment and people around you will help with that, then you can stay disciplined. Yeah, like I'm, I'm like there's, there's days and situations where it just has to be pure discipline, right? And mm. I'm a big fan of like Oga and Shocker Willing, that yeah. sort of stuff. And there's a lot of value in that. But I know for me as a person, I'm not good naturally, like since a kid at doing things that I want to do. Mm. I've never had that gene. Mm. I've, never, I've never got it. I've never got why we should live our lives and do things that I want to do. So I like to, I'd say I'm 80, 20. Create situ- like create the motivation artificially or by structuring life, people practices I do, people I surround myself with. So more often than not, I do want to do it. One of the biggest things for me, and you speak about it, and and I talk about it a lot with the people I, I like I do coaching with, is like, why are you doing all this? Like if you can truly be connected to your why and feel it and experience it every day, like visualization changed my life massively. Yeah. Not only I genuinely believe in like the the energetic pull of the an exchange of the of the universe. And then there is a power to that that we can't fully comprehend. But also with the motivation piece, if I'm visualizing every day, mm. me living my dream life at certain parts in the future, it might be a year ahead, six months ahead, five years ahead, 10 years ahead. And I'm really living it and experiencing it and the emotions like it's real, like it's actually happened and it's happening. Then how are you not going to be motivated yeah. to put in the work? I know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's visualization and manifestation and things like that. So important because there will be times when you're not feeling good and you don't want to get the work done and you're like, why am I doing this? And you just check back in. And if you're, if you're good at visualization, practice it, you can hype yourself up, get yourself back in the groove. And like, find me, find me a successful person that 
didn't believe it could happen before it did. Find me a successful yeah. person that didn't visualize it happening before it did. Oops. Yeah. I'm successful. Yeah. It, no one just, <laughs> no one just stumbles into that. Um, so what's your relationship? Cause I know you're really like into personal development. What's your relationship to personal development? How do you keep leveling up your skills in, in more of a technical um, way, but also in like more of a, a personal way within yourself? Mm. Personal development was huge for me when I was trying to figure out the world back when PwC days. So I read like, you know, 50 books in a year, personal development was all into it. Um, I feel like you need it to acquire like some kind of baseline level around self-awareness and understanding your own emotions and things like that. And understanding those things we just talked about, about like, you know, motivation, discipline, blah, blah, blah. But then you want to get into the work. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm very much around, okay, I have a baseline. Um, I think it's important to hang around with people that are on the same level or above you. Um, that environment, you know, you do, you are the average of the people you hang around. And so they will help you to come up. Um, but for me, yeah, that's where I'm at. Like doing the work, being around the people keeps me. Cause that'll keep, that'll keep you moving forward anyway. But yeah. like I've realized the same thing. It's like, Early on in your journey, personal development needs to be the cornerstone because yeah. like you need to level up yourself before you can go and execute and all these things. Yeah. Also what I've realized, and it seems like you have a similar thinking, it's like really doing the work. And I don't mean just like emotional, you know, childhood trauma stuff, but like, you know, really diving into how I, how I can improve, you know, X, Y, Z elements of my person mm-hmm. and my personality. It's like that takes time and it's important. And I've got to allocate periods in the year where that becomes more front of mind and focus. Yeah but you can't do that and be fucking grinding as much as you can because it takes up so much energy mm. from yourself. How, what would you think about that? Like about like, like doing the work, I don't feel like, and I have these conversations with people all the time, like you need to allocate specific times of the year where you really, you know, do go more inward, mm. come more reflective mm. and, and look at where your weaknesses are and what you can do to improve because there's a period of reflection yep. that doesn't happen in one second then there's, okay, what do I want to do about it? Who do I want to be? Where do I want to become? And then is actually, once you've figured that out, what do I do to change those things? It's hard to do that when you're running a million miles an hour, running multiple I businesses. Agree. Yeah. I think just taking regular time out to do that quarterly, yearly. Yeah. Like I always used to love the start of the year for that. You know, it's yes. very corny, but yeah. Yeah. And so ideally doing it with a group of people as well. So you can keep each other accountable and yeah, it's very much self-awareness. Okay. I'm a little, you know, overweight, out of shape, need to focus on that this year and next quarter, let's get it done kind of thing. Um, and then make sure you are just taking stock of weaknesses in yourself. Maybe it's, you know, not good with girls or unfit or procrastinate or whatever it is, you know, the areas of your life, unhealthy and, um, yeah, regular check-ins and don't read too many books, get the work done. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's a tipping point where you're like, I'm consuming too much and doing nothing. Yeah. And it becomes like a negative of the 50, you know, 50 plus books that you read. What do you think is the best business, the personal development book you've read? Um, the way of the superior man. Nice. Yeah. was incredible. Like it taught me so much about how to be as a man and like how to deal with like women as well and the male female polarity. Um, it was incredible. I've actually never read that book, um, but it's been recommended to me yeah. a million times and it's 
I think I have it at home. It's on my list. I definitely want it's, it. It's so powerful, man. Um, in terms of business, oh, I don't even know right now. There's a lot of business books. Sometimes uh, my favorite business books aren't even like meant to be educational. Like Shoe Dog's one of my favorite business books. Yeah. Because yeah. like you just, sometimes you don't need to be taught. You just need to listen or watch, observe. I have a bad memory when it comes to these things. I, re- I read, I used to read autobiographies mm. to get inspired. Yeah. Um, I remember reading the autobiography of Elvis Presley's manager. Oh, interesting. And just like super inspiring stories about people that were problem solvers and like against all odds just got so creative with business. And But it's like that as well. What, what, why I respect those people so much is like who's born, grows up as a kid and like no one like, it's not taught that you can become yeah. Elvis Presley's manager. Yeah. You know, someone's decided somewhere along the way that they're not going to fucking cop doing something they want. They're going to yeah. figure out a way to do something they love. Yeah. It's like, I respect those people so much. And um, I want to go back because I want to, I want to talk about the scaling phase with you yep. again, if we can. Yep. Before we get like, we're going to get into, because with the scaling, as you would know, scaling is when you start to really run into problems mm-hmm. and, and, and you have to start facing some of those things. But before we get there, just it's, I want to get to know for your sort of product for people listening that are in e-com. What role did each of the channels play for, for your business? I imagine Facebook's obviously a big one, um, Google, but were you doing any TikTok with a product as high of a price point as yours? What kind of roles did each channel play? PR, again, was a big one for you guys. Yeah. So Facebook, your bread and butter. That's where we acquired most of our customers and that covers Instagram too. Uh, just a really, really solid advertising channel. Um, PR was really useful at the start and the, the reason PR worked is we had a new and novel product. So people hadn't heard of it in Australia or the UK. There was one company doing it in America. And so it was a PR dream. And so everyone wanted to cover it. Um, and we knew that. Like that's why we did it, <laughs> you know? And so PR was really, really, really good for the first year. But then once you've kind of exhausted most of the outlets and you don't have any new news to promote, it, it dwindles. So we got you know, all the juice from the squeeze from that. Google ads were good, but we're quite a niche product too. So the search volume on Google is not particularly high as opposed to, you know, your product would be a ton higher or fashion, things like that. So it was a good channel and it's, you know, people that are problem aware, ready to, ready to buy. It's good. Always a, with, a regular. With, with the search volumes though, like I, I feel like you would have a similar experience. There is obviously a lot for laser hair removal. And we've, we've had periods where we've just, you know, bid on like laser hair removal as, as, it, as, it, you know, as a term in of itself. But it's like, if someone's looking for laser in a clinic, you can persuade some people. If someone's looking to buy a full sauna, like, did you guys have a lot of sets just going after six saunas or was it more niches in like, you know, portable saunas, yeah. port- sauna blankets? Portable yeah. sauna blankets, yeah. infrared sauna blankets. Um, that's where most of the buyers were. Yeah. 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 So um, TikTok. Didn't work for us. Well, like these kids don't have seven hundred dollars or whatever to <laughs> yeah. drop. I'm a, I'm a very big eighty twenty guy. You know, focus on the things that. Yeah, yeah. So twenty percent of activities will bring eighty percent of the results. And to make TikTok work for us, it it would have been a a lot of effort for not much reward. Mm-hmm. I'd rather allocate our team's time into better Facebook ads than yeah, TikTok. Sure. Um, if we had a product that was suited for TikTok, hell yeah. You know, I've seen some products that work so well on it, but ours just wasn't that one. And you, you've got to know your products. Yeah. Like 
a lot of products, you shouldn't be spending money on PR agencies like we did. We were at one point had three different agencies for PR, um, UK, US, and Australia. Were you still operating um, My High when like LinkB had like yeah. started? Did that work for you guys or? Nah. Uh, nah. Just faded a little bit. Yeah. But that was like, like you said, like you had squeezed a lot of juice yeah. out of like the PR stuff. Yeah. Um, we had Mia on as like Mia from like Slick Sticks, the care. Okay. The little hair one for flyaways. And it's like, that's a perfect product for TikTok. Like she did like fucking probably a million dollars in revenue at the start. Like mm. it was almost all, all organic. Like, mm. but a product like that, what, I don't know, $20, $30 AOV doesn't really do the best on Facebook no. nowadays when like you've got like $30 CPM. So it's like yeah. find the channels that, <laughs> yeah. that work best for your products as yeah. well. Like TikTok for us is okay, but it's not. Because mm. like most $250, $300 plus our products, like it's, you know, it, it is more challenging and I love that. And something I've tried to implement more in my life is the 80-20 rule mm-hmm. and being like, because you hear that and being aware of it, but when you've really experienced it and fully understand it, it's easier to commit. Um. Now with, with the scaling, as I alluded to just, just before, yeah. as you start to scale is when you start to run into more issues, more problems. Um, I want to, I want to chat to you about some of them, one of them, cause I feel like it's such a good lesson. And I was speaking to someone about this, literally something so similar. I feel like this week, I can't remember who, cause I speak to a lot of people <laughs> moving three PLs, uh, especially in like Q4 period. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Talk to me, uh, explain, explain that whole situation, why you first made that call to, to do that first and then what happened? So Q4 2020, Corona um, was the busiest time in the history of shipping that, that, that quarter and freight prices were up. Crazy. 500%. Man. 500%. Yeah. Even in bulk was fucking like expensive. Yeah. Hours, man. Like- and we launched in May that year. We did a million bucks by August. So things had scaled up pretty quick and we're preparing for our first ever Black Friday but we hated our 3PL just so frustrated with them and got a recommendation for, for another 3PL. You were already a 3PL in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. So we used this 3PL in the UK. We wanted to go to a 3PL, the same 3PL globally and got a recommendation for this, this new 3PL. I thought, Oh, it'd be easy, <laughs> easy to change a 3PL. Um, and so we were doing it at the time of Black Friday. Um, anyway, so the month of November was like already a, one of our biggest ever months, but then the, de- the freight delays hit. And so we, had, we did a pre-order model. So when we were out of stock, we kept on selling, but we were just on pre-order and we told customers that there'll be a wait. And so one of the ships got delayed by like a, a week. So a we, week? Dude, we not, had ships delayed a month plus. Yeah, I know, but it's... It gets there. Okay. So we um, told all the customers, sorry, there's been a delay. I expect another week. And then the next week we got another email from the ship, freight forwarding company, it's been delayed another week. So we told the customers again, sorry, another delay. Anyway, this happened four times. And again, we now I understand after this experience, you build a buffer into your delivery times. And anyway, lots of ways to do it better, but we communicated to the customers four times in a row about delays, which that led- Doesn't look good. Doesn't look good at all on us. And people were like, this is extremely unprofessional. Are you even real? Scam, start scam, scam, scam. It was very, very bad. And then Black Friday came. We had a huge Black Friday, still no stock. Still selling. Yeah. Hoping it'll come through. Still selling. Um, and then the stock arrived in the UK 
finally. But our new 3PL said they can't receive the stock. Um, and we're like, what do you mean? It was like some regulatory thing that we needed to do, which would take like another two weeks. Um, and our old 3PL had lost one of our pallets, like a couple of pallets as well. Just and lost a couple of pallets. Yeah, just lost. So we were screwed. Um, we ended up having to do like a war dog situation. We like hired a freight forwarding company. We sent them so much like champagne after this because <laughs> they, they pretty much solved it. We hired an empty warehouse in the UK, subcontract or just put like some of their team on an hourly wage, sent the container there. Did you know like ship it over here? Yeah. Um, did that, manually sent out all of these packages to the customers in, in the UK and just pretty much ran our own warehouse for a weekend. What, what was like, was it all good with the regulatory stuff? Yeah, it was fine. Just like a delay. Because mm. the um, UK is pretty strict on all the- Yeah, all yeah. Like and the 3PL was good on them, you know, like, but they didn't inform us. Mm. We had to do this thing. And it was, a, it was, I really enjoy those problems because it just puts you in this Problem fired up right? problem solving mode. And so we got to this point where it was bad and it was like a little bit of a crisis for us. And uh, our customer support girl phoned me in tears and was breaking down. And so me and Wyatt, we're in Sydney meeting for the first time since we launched the business when this all happened. Where, where was he living? Brisbane. Brisbane, you're in Melbourne. And, you know, we had a fair amount to drink the night before this all hit the fan. <laughs> and the state you want to be making these sorts of decisions, eh? Well, it was good because we were hungover as hell on a Saturday morning and just Woke up at 8 a.m., had a ton of coffee and just powered through customer support. Both We told our customer support girl, you know, relax, we've got it. Don't worry. Like it was early for her. She didn't have to go through this stuff. It was our, our responsibility. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so just manned the, the ship and uh, spoke to all these people. I was on the phone until like 3 a.m. every day, just offering to speak to customers. I'm the founder of this business. Let me chat to you on the phone. I want to explain exactly what's happened. So you would just randomly cold call them, say, hey. No, I wouldn't cold call. It would be on, on customer support. Yep. I'd say the, f the founder wants to specifically speak to you, yep. explain everything that's happened, and I'm confident we can win back your business mm -hmm. um, and you're going to look back on this and enjoy your sauna and, and, <laughs> yeah. and trust us. Did you do that to every single, like did you get on the front foot and do that with everyone or just the people that were like requesting refunds and stuff? Yeah, just the people that were... You know, customer support was dealing with all of these emails going, we sent out um, broadcast emails to everyone explaining what's happened. But yeah. Then you get people that are, some people are like, cool, no worries. Let me know when it's here. <laughs> yeah. And some people are like, I'm going to sue you. Uh, oh, um, go. So yeah, I just hopped on the phone, had a half an hour conversation, honest and frank, you know, middle of the night for me and whatever for them. And, and it was great. I used my sales background um, really not to like sell them on anything, but just because you're comfortable having those conversations. And um, they were super appreciative by the end of it. And uh, we got out of the situation unscathed and learned our logistics lessons yeah. and went forward. What was the success rate of those calls? 100%. Seriously. Yeah. It was because like, think about it. What founder of a company Does that, right? gets yeah. on the phone to speak to a, an angry customer and is completely frank and honest Yeah. to the point where I'm like, I'll send you our shipping records. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you really want to know, like I'll send you. 
And so they they were really appreciative. Because that was a crazy period, man, for so all econ businesses. Like everyone's like Facebook ad feedback mm. score was like teetering on the edge of like, because if you have fucking thousands of customers that you haven't been able to get your products and like, sure, even if like 90% are cool about it, like that 10% can do a yep. lot of damage to businesses. So if you don't know how to manage that effectively, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of trouble. And that was a time where it's like, there were so many unknowns, even for us. We were told, um, it was before Chinese New Year, so it would have been just after that, um, that like we had paid actually, like we, we needed to get this stock mm. and it was so hard to get space, like even in, on these ships. Like we, we, we were there, we were told it's loaded on the boat. Sweet. Um, we'll, we'll update you once it's, you know, on, mm. on, on, on sea with like a ETA. Nothing here, anything for a week. Nothing, another week, nothing. We follow up, what, what's going on? Oh, that's all good. Like we'll, we'll get an update. Three weeks after it was meant to leave, we find out that either it never was on the ship and they <laughs> lied or it got taken off because of, you know, there was like, you know, th- people were saying they're taking bribes to get shit on and blah, 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 whatever. But it's like, we, we got us like, like six weeks late. Like navigating those fucking conversations with customers in e-com can make or break. Well, mm. obviously you were speaking to with chatting about the other podcast you had, like, his experience going through all that shit yeah. didn't fucking work out as no, didn't. well. So it doesn't always work. Is there any other like uh, war stories or any other, you know, things that stand out from your time that you, you learned a lot from? Um, I just want to, I mean, you can see an econ business doing uh, 600 grand a month, whatever. And you might think they're absolutely killing it. But we, even after that, in the first year, we were still, we had to take loans. Um, we were like getting very creative with cash. Uh, and people just have this misconception with e-com. It's like, oh, you, you did 600 grand this month. You must be rich. <laughs> and it's like, well, I've got to finance the next three months of inventory and yeah. that's like $300,000. So no. Yeah. So there was a lot of like threading the needle of, of cash, um, which is part of the game. So that was, that was fun. It's another like misconception with e-com. Like, I suppose it's because of like, we did make a lot of profit pretty quickly, but like most people don't. And, yeah. Like, like it's just not a real expectation because like, again, if you can find a pro- and that's what it's all about. Like obviously picking a product is the most important part of mm. like the, the whole start of the business. Cause if you don't pick the right product and don't have the right timing, then it's going to like, you can still win, Yeah, but it's going to be so much harder, particularly if you're a beginner and like, I know it's difficult. People want to start, people want to take action and just like go and start and learn. And, and I agree with that as well, but I would spend, if I was like a, like a relative beginner and my advice to people was like, don't, I know you're working with me and you want to, you know, take action and, and build the business as quick as you can. But even if it takes you three months to find the right product, yeah. if you can be patient enough to do that and you do find something again, it's all, it's all similar. Uh, is there, is there an interest that's building? Is it not already oversaturated? Is it, is it something that you can create viral mm. content that's shareable that people want to talk about? If you can't find something that ticks those boxes, like you can definitely be successful in business. It's just going to be a lot harder. Yeah. Like take the time to get the product market fit right. Because then like the rest takes care of itself. Like you yeah. put, you put the p- good product that works in front of the right people at the right time. Exactly. And like, it's, it's, it's so much easier to sell. Like you said, trying to start a teeth whitening brand now, like <laughs> good luck. Um, I want to, I want to, we'll start to, 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 to kind of wrap up, but I do yep. want to get your thoughts on like, just like 
a few things with like the process, maybe some advice for, for e-com owners and founders. Now, one thing that would be good to, to get your um, thoughts on as someone who's gone through this process pretty quickly, like I alluded to was kind of the exit process. Now mm. for the people that are in businesses or always have a clear vision of they're going to go through that process one day, what sort of prep work do you need to do and, and what sort of information do you need to prepare and fully understand before you go and, and sell a business? Accounting. <laughs> you need to know your numbers extremely well. I'm talking like, why was your uh, freight inbound 6% higher in January, 2021 than December, 2020 kind of thing. Yep. Um, and balance sheet from day zero, profit and loss from day zero. That's super clear. Every single, you know, discrepancy in the graph can be explained um, because the buyers are going to do a hell of a lot of due diligence yep. on you. Yep. So if you can't present clear and accurate stories about what you've done from day zero, it's not going to look good. And like, that's the important part as well. Like they can, there's always discrepancies, yeah. right? But like, as long as there's, you can provide yeah, evidence exactly. to, and explain as to why. Yeah. So, you know, like we had a period, I think in America where sales were super flat and we had to explain it, you know, why we weren't doing that and why sales weren't working in America and like just, you know, explaining your story. And then uh, depending on the buyer, like, we, I think every buyer wants to see like a certain level of uh, risk, uh, diversification of risk in terms of like sales channels. Mm. So if you're a business that just relies on Facebook ads for everything, then you're at the mercy of Facebook. And so a lot of buyers are more established, you know, bigger companies that are looking to buy safety almost they don't want like a, a risky company mm. so we had launched on amazon as a second sales channel and we were able to prove you know that amazon was going really well and that was key for us in the acquisition they were like we don't wouldn't be really too keen on this if it was unproven yeah. on amazon and you just had like facebook that's crazy man like so, amazon like what was that decision like moving into amazon was it a clear decision for yeah. you because we've we've had you know those Thoughts, but for our category, like there's the fucking hundreds of why we're going to put ourselves in, yeah. on there with hundreds of other ones that are just going to undercut us in price. But your product was a little bit more unique, right? There is it was. Like a plethora of yeah. competitors. And we had a really good Amazon agency yeah. um, that helped us a lot. So I just think diversification of risk and sales channels was, was super important. Being able to sell the future of the company too. Yeah. So like- That story, right? That story of what the company could turn into. We had pretty compelling story. <laughs> yeah. you know? We had some great product ideas that we actually just gave to the acquirer. So we're like, look, we were planning on launching these five products in the future. Here's why we think they could all work. They're all yours. Um, we did think about doing an ice bath at one point. Well, they, they've blown up now. Yeah, should have done that. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, knowing your numbers, super clear accounting, uh, diversification of risk, ensuring you're not just, not going to fold over if something happens, You're like a stable business. And then there's a really solid future ahead of you mm. through. We also, another thing we said was, you know, we've been pretty basic in our Facebook ads, which we had been, to be honest, we could have had a way better creative process. We, we highlighted our weaknesses. Yeah. Is that an important part as well to like, yeah. yeah. Because that also ties to future. It's like, like whether just did these two guys, we did 
XYZ numbers really well from doing this. Mm. Imagine what your team can do. Exactly. Which is fully legit. Like we, fully, there were yeah. so many things that could have been improved and there was tons of opportunity. And we highlighted that, which was very honest saying like, we could have done this way better. Mm. If you do this better, you can grow this business yeah. by a lot. Um, and it has grown a lot since the acquisition. So yeah. Those things, it's interesting. It can come just down to time or resource, but as an entrepreneur, we all know a million things that we could, we all know a lot of things we could do to improve our businesses. Why do you think you, you didn't implement some of those things at the time if you already knew? Which two not, smart guys you knew? Yeah, because that was perfect. Yeah. You know, we sit on these podcasts pretending that we're, <laughs> yeah. we're experts. What do you mean, man? I'm an expert. I know everything. Yeah, like yeah. I'm just projecting all my knowledge onto <laughs> the world. But yeah, if, if you tell me someone that does exactly what they know they need to do and can say hand on heart, I have done everything in my business to world-class quality than a billionaire. Yeah. You know? That's what I meant before. Like, fuck. It's a different kind of like, approach, right? We did well, but we could have done better. But you probably, I know there was those periods where you were alone and it didn't feel great, but probably had a better lifestyle than a lot of people have as well. Yeah. Yeah. Ways. Yeah, I did. So. Another question on, on the exit is, and I know it can be different for everyone, but how do you know when, when a good time to exit is? So for us, I was pretty concerned about the state of the world economy. Um, I just thought that bad things could be on the horizon. And it was our first business, you know, had like zero money before this and just said to Wyatt, like, I do not want to see us grow this thing, have a little bit of success and have nothing to show for it in, yeah. in the event of you know another GFC or something. Um, and I just said, you know, we both want to grow businesses. We're young. Why not get an early win on the board? Um, where we can cash out, store that for a rainy day and go again. And it just made sense. We it was two years. We sold it after two years. We'd grown it really well. Compelling story for the future. Um, and it was funny because, you know, the, the market for acquisitions did take a nosedive after we got acquired. So you timed it pretty well? So we timed it pretty, <laughs> pretty well. Um, what, what, was the, what was the experience like? Because I would say, you know, 90% at least of these deals have an earnout period as someone that to their core doesn't like, and not that there's anything wrong with it, as we said, but for you that hates being an employee, mm. what was it like to work somewhat for someone else for, for that period? How did, how did you, how'd you feel about that? It was fine because I knew it wasn't forever. Um, it was an interesting insight into how that company was run. Yeah. Did you learn anything from that? However long you were yeah, working? Yeah, a lot. Um, there's some, particularly on the media buying side, some really impressive people that I learned from. Um, but it was, it was fine. Like, yeah, we Because you always had that date, right? Yeah. Being, yeah. Yeah. And had that incentive and it was, yeah, it was good. Yeah. I mean, like it's part of the deal. You mm. just have to put up with it. Well, yeah. Like, like it's part of it. You fucking know what you're getting yourself into. It's pretty unrealistic to sell your company and then just collect all the cash, yeah. walk away. Or well, if you did, it's not going to be as much as it could have been. Yeah. Like yeah, everything's like open for negotiation, but exactly. I'm sure like yeah, it's, it's, it's the way these things are done now. You've learned a lot over the, you know, period you've been in business. You did your little e-com and, and business apprenticeship, doing mm. all those jobs. But like, what's, what's one key lesson that you feel like that you've learned 
over the last say five, six years that, that stands out as like something you wish you knew earlier or something that if you knew that and understood that with like the mile high process from the beginning, you could have, you know, done those things and, and, and grew it even quicker to, to a bigger place. Um, self-awareness because self-awareness enables you to understand when you're veering off course and correct yourself as quickly as possible. So like, I think I have self-awareness, but I should have more because like there are definitely times where I steered off course for too long. Um, and then also make sure you're always seeking out people or learnings or whatever to improve that course that you're on. So like you understand that Facebook ads are really important for your business where you need to damn make sure you're one of the best in the world at Facebook ads and like just annoy people that are good at it and ask them tons of questions and really just self-awareness to, to learn the things you need to learn and to make sure you don't go off course. Yep. And, yeah. and also people have their own individual triggers for that. So I went off course when I did by myself as a trigger. Um, so I need to get a good environment around me, but other people have other triggers. Yeah. You know? And like understanding what they are and like cultivating your environment. So you yeah. get the best out of yourself. Yeah. So important. And yeah. um, last question. Yep. Much. It's, it's, it's one that gets asked all the time, but it's always interesting to get experienced econ people's thoughts. It's like for someone, if someone says, come to you, Ed, Hey, I'm, I really, really want to start an econ business. I have like, let's say 10 grand saved up for like stock, bit of marketing at the start. Just said, what would your advice to me be? And one piece of advice, what would you say? Uh, do they have any marketing experience? Let's say no. No. Uh, I've listened to heaps of podcasts and you know, all that, but not I'd real, s- real marketing yeah. experience. I'd say learn on someone else's dollar. Good, good. Um, I've seen some people that have, you know, they're 23 years old and launched multi-million dollar companies. And good for them. I'm jealous. <laughs> but for most people, you need to learn how to do it before you do it. And I'd rather work for someone else running a cool e-commerce company or an agency and become really good in a year than spend two and a half years faffing about by myself trying to figure it all out myself. Um, so, yeah, my advice would be learn on someone else's dollar if you can. It's great advice. And um this question I always ask, we kind of spoke about it before. Mm-hmm. For you, it might be a harder question to answer because of, you know, all the different options, but where, where does Ed go from here? Uh, Ed's launching another brand. Yep. You have like clear timeframes for all this sort of stuff yet or let's do it very It will be before the end of the year. Yeah. Cool. I'll be watching. <laughs> awesome. And uh, where's, where's the best place uh, for anyone to get in touch if they wanted to? Uh, Instagram or Twitter, Ed underscore Hodge. One more question actually. Yeah. So bonus question. Uh, we, we spoke about like education and leveling up your skill set and, and, and learning and surrounding yourself with different people. I know you're a big advocate of TikTok, Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And I've recently got really into Twitter, which I feel like it's showing my age. Yeah. Um, but what, what's like, what's your thoughts on Twitter as like an educational platform for people in e-com? It is the greatest thing that could have ever happened to e-commerce. It is incredible. Like I can't even talk about how good it is. And this is, I don't even tweet. <laughs> I just, I, <laughs> yeah, I just, just follow it. But like you have the best minds in e-commerce sharing their information for free and talking with one another. And it's, it's incredible insight into everything e-commerce. Now, obviously, again, come back to self-awareness or not self-awareness, but I guess general awareness. You need to know who's kind of selling things, uh, who's 
perhaps faking it um, and who are the best people. But I, I go on Twitter and like I'm saving 10, 15 things a day yeah. of just gold advice. So if anyone's like starting off, off an e-com, just go to who I'm following <laughs> and follow all of them yeah. and then just unfollow the you know ones that are like finance or whatever mm. and just follow the e-com people. And immediately you could get a playbook for how to run e-com. It's insane. Fucking crazy, man. Yeah. I was going to say like, okay, where does someone start? But don't even worry. Just go look at who Ed's following and stuff like that. But <laughs> yeah. gee, honestly, yeah. like why waste time? Like yeah. obviously once you get a bit of a grasp at, at do your own research and find your own people, but yeah. fuck yeah, man. Very like, quickly you'll realize that you just need to know Facebook ads, conversion rate optimization, basic psychology, persuasion, copywriting, design, outsourcing, business strategy. You write all down the categories. You find the best people on Twitter. You save all the best resources and bam, you've got a playbook. That's it. Yeah. And there's no fucking excuses. Yeah. Leave it there, man. Fucking great chat. Great to connect. Obviously it was all going to happen one day. I'm glad we got to, got to chat and fucking continue to build cool shit together. So it'd be cool to watch each other grow. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or you got something out of it, do yourself a favor, do me a favor, do your friends a favor and share this with them and they can come along on this journey with us. Thanks again. And I'll see you next time.